0: Welcome to Coastal Community Church. We're so glad that you are with us today. For those of you that are at our Coconut Creek campus, Pompano Beach campus, or watching online, we wanna welcome you to our services today. We've been in this series called Sweet Dreams, and we've been talking about the, the fears that we all have in our life, because there are a lot of us that are dealing with some major fears in life, and those fears have a tendency to keep our minds extremely preoccupied. Anybody else ever felt like they've been preoccupied by some of their fears? I mean, most of us have experienced some of those moments where it's just like, man, we're just overwhelmed in that moment. And so we've been talking about the things that are keeping us up at night. And you know what's really interesting is as I was studying this week, a lot of writers and theologians, when they look at the major thing that caused man to fall, most theologians and uh, people that are scholars think that it really derives from pride, and and pride was probably the thing that drove us to have human fallenness. It's probably the root issue of that, but in spite of that being the reason why we struggle today, why we deal with sin in our lives, the, the thing that is probably the greatest hindrance to our life. And the, the imperative that is in the Bible more than any other imperative, the statement that is in the Bible more than any other statement is this idea of fear not. And you would think that it, it would be some sort of other vices out there. You know, if you ask yourself, like, like, why of all things would God tell us to fear not? When I start thinking about vices. In my life, like fear is not typically one of the vices that is the first thing that would come out of my life. Uh, and I'm gonna guess that would be the same for you. If we were to go out and grab a cup of coffee and sit down and talk about the vices that are in our life, particularly we're gonna have you go first because that would be a much better conversation if you start off. But I'm gonna guess your vices are gonna be some sort of addiction, some sort of uh, habit that you have in your life. My guess is that for the majority of us, fear would not be very high on that list. In fact, most of us wouldn't even really think about that as a major thing in our life. So why did God tell us as humans so many times to do not be afraid? Don't be afraid. And I think that the reason that God probably said that so many times to us is because He knew that fear would be the number one reason we would not be willing to follow all that he asks us to do. It would be the thing that would keep us from getting out of the boat like we talked about this past week and really following God into the depths of all that he has and all that he wants for our life. And what we've talked about throughout this series is, is that we don't really have a fear problem in our life because a lot of us, we just think, oh man, I've, I just have a lot of fear. And we've said that fear isn't really the problem. Really, the problem that we have is we have a faith problem. We have a belief problem. And so the goal for all of us isn't that we fear less in our life. The goal for every single one of us is that we trust God with more of our life. That we we say, God, man, I'm gonna trust you in every single aspect of my life. And that's why Jesus encourages us in John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus is asking us to trust him more. But the problem with that is is that a lot of times how we like to accomplish things, is we like to will our way to that place. And with trust, you just can't will your way to trust, can you? You just can't, like, I could get up here every single week and I could tell you, have more faith in God. You just need to have more faith in God. And while that sounds really good, that's not actually doable by you on your own. Like you can't will yourself to have more faith. So for me to tell you, have more faith in God, I would never tell you that. What I would tell you to do is I would tell you to get to know God a little bit more. And as you get to know God more, what's going to happen is you're going to trust him a whole lot more. In fact, I put it in your notes like this. I said, because God is faithful, you better know him. And the more you know him, the more you will trust him. Who is God? Man, he is this faithful, loving God that as you begin to know him, as you begin to understand who he is, you will begin to trust him in an even greater measure. And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a passage of scripture out of John chapter 15. And John chapter 15 is probably one of the most read passages of scripture. It's, it's a lot of people's favorite chapter of the Bible. There's a lot of messages that have been preached out of this, a lot of really good information. And Jesus is talking to his disciples right here. It's right before he's about to go to the cross and he's kind of given them some directives for what they need to do In life without him, where are they gonna find their source? Where are they gonna find their energy? Where are they gonna find their hope? Where is that going to be? And so Jesus starts out in John chapter 15 and verse 1, and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. It's a pretty common, common passage. Now, out of this passage, I want to talk to you today about two prayers that I believe that we need to be praying so that we could have really, truly have sweet dreams in our life, so that we're not going to fear, have fear be this thing that's at the center of our life, but the, our trust in God would grow even more. Now, the popularity of this this chapter really comes from a few verses later because Jesus is encouraging them, hey, I'm the vine and and you're the branches and my my dad, he's the gardener and we're going to prune and we're going to do all these things. And later on, he says, when you remain in me and I also remain in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you will do nothing. And I think that this is the goal for all of us is to remain in God. It's to build this intimacy and this relationship with God to where we're in constant communion. We're in constant connection with God. And, and so Jesus says, man, this is a, a, an important thing. But there's some things I noticed in this chapter that I'd never noticed before and some things that really, really blew my mind. And, and if you spent much time thinking about this chapter, you, you automatically notice that Jesus refers to God as the gardener. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I've never seen that before as I was reading this past week. That just started to blow my mind. And what it got me thinking is about, if you look back at John chapter 15, starting in verse one, it says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. And so out of that is this first prayer that I think we all need to pray if we're going to have sweet dreams and not be kept up at night. And that is this prayer of God, give me a greater view of you. God, give me a greater view of you because you are the gardener and I've never even noticed that you're the gardener and, and I just thought that you're God, our Father in heaven, but you're so much more than what I perceive or what I even understand right now. And because you're a gardener, I gotta know who you are and I have to believe who you are. And I've said this to you guys before and I put it in your notes again. I think one of the single most important things in our minds is what we believe about God. One of the most critical things to our faith is the belief of who do we really believe God is. Now for a lot of us, we have some very, very misguided views of God it's very easy for us because of maybe how we are brought up and maybe how we are taught that we've adopted some views of God that aren't even really real in fact there's some times where I'll go out and I'll sit down and I'll have coffee with somebody and they'll tell me like you know what pastor TJ like I, I I don't believe in God and I'll go really you don't believe in God well why don't you tell me about this God you don't believe in and they'll start talking about God and they'll start describing God and how they view him and what they perceive of him. And a lot of times at the end of all that, I'll go, if, if that is your view of God and that's true, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. I'm an atheist right with you. And all of a sudden there's this, this paradigm shift that happens and, and I go, man, if that's your view of God, like that's not the God I believe in. Let me tell you a little bit about the God I believe in and let me tell you about his character, and let me tell you about his love, and let me tell you about his adoration. Let me explain to you who God really is, because their whole mindset about God has been brought together by all these misguided truth and all these misconceptions that they've heard over time. Now, getting back to this verse, it says, God is the gardener, and and. When I read that, it kind of messed me up a little bit because uh, a little bit of my background is, is when I was a kid, my parents were small business owners and my uh Mom and my dad one of my dad's businesses was he was a landscaper and so he had this huge landscaping company they were doing stuff all the time and so i was always out on on job sites and helping plant plants and trim plants and do all those things and so i understand the concept of gardener then when my parents got divorced my dad is still loves us to be out in the yard doing stuff and so as a family as a, as a young kid we had a family garden and our parents separated them out into sections. I had a stepbrother, my stepmom, my dad, and myself. And so, because I'm a very competitive person, I wanted my section of the garden to be awesome. Like I wanted to have the best watermelon that was growing. I wanted to have the best tomatoes in my section. I wanted to have the best strawberries in my section. And so I became like this ultimate gardener. Like I would go outside and I would be digging in the soil to see like how rich the dirt was. I was out there watering my plants every day. We had dogs and we had cats and we had leftovers. And so I made a compost pile. I know this is weird as like a 10 year old. I made a compost pile. And so I'm piling all the poo in there and I'm piling all the the leftover food and I'm I'm cultivating that soil because, man, I want my plants to excel. I'm going and I'm weeding out my garden every day and I'm throwing it in other people's gardens trying to hook them up because I wanted my garden to be awesome. And here's what I know about a good gardener. A good gardener will do whatever it takes to make his garden thrive. That's what gardeners do. They do whatever it takes to make that soil good and God is the gardener and as the gardener God wants me to thrive he wants me to live with hope he wants me to have a hope and a future he wants me to be all that he has created me for me to be and to bear much fruit in life and he's got an incredible plan for me and so my question for all of us is is God good yes God is good is God loving yes God is loving Does God have a plan for every single one of his children? Yes, God has a plan. Are you one of his children? Yes, you are one of his children. Therefore, you don't have anything to fear in your life because God has got control of everything. And that right there is some good news. And that's why I'm praying this prayer. God, give me a greater view of you. Help me to see who you really and truly are. And the reason this is so important is because I I believe that the way that we live our life is based on the size and the belief of how big our God is. And there are some of us in here that we've got a very, very small view of our God. And if we were really honest with ourselves, we're not completely and totally convinced that God is, is all good and that he's all loving and that he's all compassionate and that he's all and ever present in our lives. And what happens is is when we wake up in the morning and we have a small view of God, we live in a constant state of fear. We live in a constant state of stress. We live in a constant state of anxiety in our life because we believe that everything depends on you and I. We we believe that it it all depends on us. And remember, two weeks ago, we, we talked about this idea that you're not holding all of your life together. Even though you think you are, you think that, man, if I come out of this, it's all gonna come crashing down. That's not really true. God is holding everything together. And I believe that with all my heart and I've committed my life to not just believing it, but teaching it to other people. Yet so many times in my life, it doesn't reflect that. And I'm going to guess so many times in your life, it doesn't really reflect that either. And when we have a small view of God, what happens is we shrink back when we should confront. We worry when we should be praying. We cling on to things when we should be generously sharing in those moments. And like the disciples, we hide in the upper room paralyzed by fear. Or, or like Peter, we, we, we stay in the, or the, like the 11 disciples, we stay in the boat rather than getting out and walking on water. Or like, the Mo, like Moses, we, we hide in the desert hoping that nobody's going to see us or find us there. And God's got so much more for us. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Abraham and Um, it's one of those stories that so much fits in the example of what we've talked about all throughout the series of the fact that God radically shows up in somebody's presence he makes a grand entrance and anytime God shows up in a big way in somebody's life he does not want them to stay there but he challenges them to get up and go somewhere else he, he knows that you can't stay in the comfort and confines of your life, but you've got to move beyond those places if you're going to fulfill the purpose and destiny that God has. And so God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, listen, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But here's the deal. In order for you to be the father of many nations, I want you to leave the land that you're familiar with. I want you to leave the comfortable confines of where you are, and I want you to go to another place and In spite of the fact that there was a lot of comfort there, that there was a lot of uh, hominess there, God, Abraham completely believes God in that moment and he goes and he trusts God for the fact that God is gonna make he and his family a great nation and decades pass by. We're not talking like a day or a week. We're on the, the fast food program for faith here but like we're not having fast food. We're like a long time fasting, waiting for the promise And we're not talking a year or 10 years, we're talking 20, 30, 40 years that he waits. And he thinks that that dream is never going to happen. But then we read later on in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, While God was testing Abraham, Abraham still trusted in God and his promises. And if you go back and you reread the story of Abraham, Abraham didn't have perfect faith. Abraham didn't do it all right. He still had his share of doubts. He still had his share of mistakes and things that he acted on, but he found ways that in the middle of the process to remember the faithfulness of God, of what he had done in the past so he could continue moving forward in the future. And this is what I know for you, and this is what I know for myself, is that if you don't find a way to celebrate God's past faithfulness, like what he's done behind you, then It'll be really, really easy for you to not trust him with his future. It'll be easy for you to disregard your future because you forgot what he did in the past. But God has got something incredible for your future. And so we have got to continuously be putting down marks to remember the faithfulness of God. Now, I have a question for you guys, and, and I know that we've got two different kind of teams of people here. We've got Team Cat and we've got Team Dog. Can I get all all the people that are on Team Cat to raise your hands? Um, you guys are weird. We don't like you here. I, I'm, I'm, God loves you. I, like we don't like you. You're just you're just odd. How about Team Dog? Any Team Dog people up in this house? A lot of Team Dogs. That those are my people right there. Team Dog. Now now Shayla and I we we had some some dogs. Uh, And and at one point we had this dog named Mercedes and Mercedes was a a black lab and and she was buck wild. She was crazy. Mercedes had a tendency to like to run away. Anytime she would get out of the house, she would run away. You cat people, you don't understand that because your cats don't ever run away and you think, oh, they're just so loving. No, 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 no. Cats aren't loving. They're just lazy. And they know that if they ran away, they would never find their way back home. So that's, that's, that's your problem. But, but Mercedes, she would run away. And every time that Mercedes would run away, this was early in our marriage, Shayla would get really upset. She'd be like, oh, my gosh. Like, is she going to come back? Where is Mercedes away? I can't find her anywhere. And I would be like, Shayla, calm down. Calm down, girl. It's going to be okay. Like, Mercedes has got it set up here. Like, we got an awesome dog bed. She gets fed every day. Like, that, that dog is going to come back. She's ran away before, and she's come back. It might be five minutes. It might be five hours. It might be five days. But that dog always comes back. And I would have to remind Shayla, is there any reason to believe that you don't think she's going to come back based on past experiences? My question for you is, is is there anything about your past history that makes you think that God is not in control of your life? I didn't say, is there anything in your past that you wish wouldn't have happened? That's not what I said. I said, is there anything in your past history that makes you think that God is not in complete and total control of your life? See, God is always faithful. And when we discover that God is good and we find ourselves being able to trust him and take risks for him, and he'll take us to places that we have never, ever been before. And so no matter whether you're new on your spiritual journey or you've been following Jesus for 25 years, the the thing that God wants us to respond to him with, no matter at what stage we're at, is trust. God just wants us to trust him that he's good and that he is trustworthy. And so the prayer that we need to pray is, God, give me a greater view of who you are because as I get to know you better, man, I'm going to trust you even more. The second prayer is this. Is Is there anything in my life that needs to be pruned? Now, let me just say this on the front end. Uh, This second prayer is not anywhere near as much fun as the first prayer. In fact, this second prayer can be a little painful in life. and, And so it's not always as much fun as God, man, show me new views of you. That's awesome, man, I've never seen that before. This is a little bit more painful. And immediately after Jesus's declaration in John chapter 15, verse one, where he says, man, my father, he's the gardener, that's who God is. In verse two, it says, he cuts off every branch In me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And let me just tell you something asking God to prune or to cut things out of your life may not be the easiest of prayers to pray, it's tough. It's tough to say, God, man, I want you to to search within me. And if there's anything in me that needs to be cut out, you you have rain to do that. Like that's a tough prayer, but you got to remember that he's the gardener. And because he's the gardener, if he's pruning, it's for your good. It's the fact that he wants to do something good in your life. It's so you can thrive and so you can grow. Now, as a kid, as my parents got divorced, my, my dad and my stepmom, they bought a house that used to be in like this old orange grove, and so there was all these old orange trees and lemon trees behind our house as a kid, and, and I would love to go out there. And because of all the, you know, landscaping and gardening things that we did, uh, we would have to take care of those trees. And so I have with me here today some, some pruning shears. These are, these are some pruning shears that you would use on like smaller plants or, or branches that you would cut. And so we'd go out there and we'd cut some of the branches off to, to make sure, because what happens is is fruit trees, they need to be pruned. Because the more that you prune that fruit tree, the more fruit that the tree will actually produce. And you would think that doesn't make much sense. If I'm cutting branches off, how is it gonna produce more fruit? But it, it actually promotes growth in the tree and causes it to, to do more fruit. But one of the things about orange trees is, is that sometimes uh, as they get larger and as they get bigger, if you don't prune a little bit more, and I've actually got some some loppers here. These are some bad boys right here. These will take like a wrist off if you if you put your wrist in there. Like you go in there and, and you cut off some major branches and you just snap those things off and you think, man, I'm, I'm hurting this tree so bad in that moment. But what you don't realize is that if that tree doesn't get pruned, if that tree doesn't get lopped off, if those branches don't get lopped off, what happens is as it continues to produce, it will get so heavy that that tree will eventually die because it can, cannot sustain the weight of everything that's on it in that life. And so what that means for us is that if we're going to fully trust God with our lives, we've got to invite him and welcome him to come in and do the pruning process for us. And we got to walk in and say, God, man, I I give you permission to look at every single aspect of my life. And I realize that it might not always be a lot of fun to be pruned. It might not always be very easy to be pruned. But what I do know is that while it might be painful, it's not damaging. In fact, it's going to cause me to flourish. And so my question for you today is, is what might God want to prune out of your life? Maybe it's an attitude that you've been having. Maybe it's this attitude that you keep copping with your parents, teenagers, or maybe for others of you, it's, it's you, you keep rolling your eyes with your boss and God's saying, man, I, I want to prune that out of your life. Maybe for others of you, it's a lie that you've been believing. You've just been dead set on this lie and all of a sudden God is saying, man, you've got a wrong mindset right there and we need to cut that out and we need to replace it with something different. Maybe for others of you, it's a sin you've been committing or an addiction that you've been harboring for some time. Or maybe for others of you, it's a relationship you've been holding back on because of some hurt in your life. Or maybe for others of us, we're running at a pace that is so fast that it's not sustainable for our life. And God's saying, hey, 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 you need to cut that back. And for myself and my life, I've been going through this season where I've been Asking God to, to take me through the pruning process. And, it, and honestly, it's, it's not been a lot of fun. It's been a very difficult season. Um, and I'm not always sure why I did it, but I'm so glad that I am. Because after several weeks of saying, God, what are the things that I need to have cut out of my life? What are the things that you need to come in and prune? I feel like I got a really, really prompt response from God and prompting from him that was basically saying, TJ, what, what I want you to give up right now is this idea that you can have clarity and security all the time in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I like clarity. I like security. Uh, I always want the fail-proof fan plan. I, I Like, I want to know every step of the process. I want to know exactly A, B, C, D equals here. Like, I want to win. Anybody else want to win in life? There's, there's a couple of us that want to win in life. And because I want to win in life, I want to know the end before I even start. And so God is saying, man, I want you to trust me and pull the trigger on things before you even know what, how and where and what's gonna take place and all that. Like, I want you to trust me in that. Instead of waiting until you have unbeatable odds, I just want you to trust in that moment. But for me, I don't know about you, but I buy into the lie, and I put this in your notes, that we think the more spiritually mature that we become, the more certainty we should have. Anybody else think that way? Like, oh, I'm spiritually mature. I should be more certain. But the reality is, is that the more spiritually mature you are, the less certain you need to be to trust God. That is the truth, Ruth, right there for your life. Now, in my car, I'm one of those people that it's sometimes directionally challenged. And so ever since we came out with GPSs, I absolutely love GPS. Like I think it's the greatest invention. The one thing I hated about the original GPSs is, is, is that you would just be driving down the road and they would say, turn right in 50 meters. And I would be like, cool, I wanna turn right in 50 meters, but what am I gonna do after that? And and she would never tell you. Have you ever noticed that, that she never tells you the direction after the direction that you're about to take? Like, I wanna know the next direction after the direction you're getting me. Anybody else relate right there? I know that there's some people out there that are feeling me in that moment. And so from that aspect of GPS, I hated it. I was like, I need more than just one direction. And so like Google Maps, I love Google Maps now because there's a button at the bottom you can hit that will give you a list by list. You're going to make a right turn in 37 feet. And then after that, in 2.1 miles, you're going to make a left on 6th Street. And then in 3.4 miles, you're going to make a right. And then you're going to be at the end destination. And what I want is I want to know every step of the way, specifically the last step before I arrive. Anybody else like me in that? Like we want to know the last step so often. And the problem for so many of us is we spend so much time in our life trying to see the end that we never get around to the very beginning. We're always trying to get to the destination rather than enjoying the process of just trusting and following God. Now, behind me is, is a rope here that uh, a lot of people that do all these crazy races and stuff, they use them to pull up on things. Uh, Crossfitters, this is something they, they use in like the CrossFit games to to climb up and do different things. And so, you know, my friends tell me that this is a lot of fun. In fact, Susie, who, who's the director of our youth, uh, she, she climbed this rope just to show me like what's up, you know, to, to, to show me that I wasn't really a man. And so I thought that I would, I would kind of give you guys some insight into your faith journey because a lot of us, what's happening is, is we're climbing the rope of life. And so what happens is, is we're making our way up and we're getting up here and we find ourselves and we're, we're, we're halfway up. And what, what I've found is that they say, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, they say is that, you know, you can get to the spot where your legs are locked in or, and your, your hands are on here. And it's pretty comfortable. Like, it's not bad. You're partway there, but you're not all the way there. But the problem with this position is, is that you're exerting energy the entire time. And so many of us, we get stuck right here. It's not a bad place, but what's happening is is that God is above us, and he's reaching his hand out, and he's saying, hey, reach up and take your next step. If you let go of the security that you have right now and reach up, I'll take you to places that you've never been. I'll bring you to heights that you've never experienced, but you can't stay right where you are. And experience the fullness of all that I have for you in your life. Okay, I'm gonna come down now. Let me just say dress shoes and uh, climbing ropes, not a good idea. Listen to me. No matter what you're holding on to today, whether it's a 401k, whether it's a relationship that you've been in, whether it's your job title that you find so much security and worth in, maybe it's dependence on another person. Whatever you think makes you feel safe in your life, you will be more secure when you let go of that and grab hold of God's hand. Because the faithfulness of God is stronger than whatever fears or whatever challenges are holding you back. In fact, God says this to us in Isaiah forty-one thirteen. He says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand And says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Listen, trust and fear, they have been battling for the human heart. They've been battling for your heart for a long, long time. And eventually one or the other is going to win. Listen, fear is knocking on the door of your heart right now. Doubt is whispering in your ear. Insecurities are begging for full reign. And what I want to encourage you to do, listen to me, is reject those thoughts. Focus on the fact that there is a God who loves you. And his love, his perfect love, drives out every ounce of fear that you are experiencing today. Reach out, grab his hand. He will lead you exactly where you need to go. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. And I know for so many of us, God, that we, we feel like it's our responsibility to engineer a life, that is void of fear. But our responsibility isn't trying to live a life void of fear, our responsibility is to trust you wholly and fully. And so many of us today, God, are clinging on to things that we find our hope and our security in. And today, God, I pray that we would let go of those things and we'd reach out to you and we'd grab hold of your righteous right hand that's outstretched, waiting for us. God, That in that, that, that we would pray, God, give me a greater view of you and whatever you need to do inside of me, whatever pruning needs to take place, God, I give you permission to take those things out of my life because you are a good God, you are a faithful God, and I trust you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.